Thank you, thank you, Janet Lee, and wow, those good old hymns, they just, they're just like finding good acreage to plant really fine plantings on. Thank you. And hello, everybody, and oh boy, do we have a big message today, and if I was going to give you any starting information, any starting advice, as we go through all of the deepness and the electricity and the entanglement you need to hang and hold because it's just going to keep unfolding and unfolding and unfolding and it's going to be amazing. Now we have said in our um, little publication that we put out on the Facebook announcing the announcement of the teaching, we have said that in this number nine uh, of uh, what is the Holy Ghost, that there is going to be a prophecy, tremendous prophecy, that is going to tell some very far future things. That will be coming up. But there's a lot to happen before then. Now I'm going to read uh, two or three uh, prophecies. These aren't necessarily the whole prophecy, but they're portions of the prophecy, uh, at least uh, in most cases the initiation of it. Uh, but it sort of gives you an idea of the ongoing prophecies and exhortations that we have been having in this uh, ministry. For many, many years, we had a school of the prophets, and uh, these uh, teachings were basically uh, advised not to be uh, shared out. We did not try to grow any numbers. We did not try to, uh, uh, to have, uh, say, a church or congregation uh, with large numbers. We had a group of people that were learning to be uh, ministers of the manifest and uh, we basically felt that they would just somehow come into the ministry and uh, that that is just the way it would work. Sort of reminds me of one time when we were ministering in Oregon and we were in this um, uh, building, it, was, it had been a new building and we were having the final meeting in that building and um, we were we had taken everything out we were ready to uh you know depart the place and depart uh, the city uh and the lord had said you know there's going to be things happen there's going to be unusual occurrences and uh so here we're having we're sitting on the floor uh we're using uh lamplight instead of the regular light just as something that the lord had told us to do so we looked a little bit odd and there was a very um, uh, rapid knock on the door. And so uh, because it was so unusual and so ex unexpected and because everyone of our group was present, we knew that had to be someone of an outsider. So I uh, told the, the group I would go answer it. So I moved from the podium area to the to the door and I opened it up and this lady uh, was there uh, looked like a very decent uh, 
you know, a sort of uh, almost aristocratic lady, business lady, whatever you want to say. And she says, I'm looking for a, a, a Jerry Lee. And I looked at her and I says, uh, well, that's me. I'm Jerry Lee. What can I do for you? She says, well, I have a message from the Lord. Can I come in? I said, well, we're having a service right now, and it's a sort of a special, unusual service. She said, that would be fine for with me. So I said, well, come in. Of course, all the, all the, the people there had heard that. So she shared with us some incredible things, and, and uh, I don't have time for that today, but she, um, she mentioned that um, uh, she was driving down the road when God said, I want you to go and find Jerry Lee, and this will be your last chance to talk to him before he leaves the city. And I want you to share with him, etc., etc. And so she says, well, I don't know where any Jerry Lee would be. He's, and the, this, the Lord said, the Holy Spirit will lead you. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. So she followed the leading. Well, this new building was attached to a grocery store. And so at that particular time, there was hardly any cars out there. We had all said none of us would bring our vehicles. Uh, we all live fairly close to the church. And so there was no vehicles out there except maybe one or two at the store. And this other door, we didn't have a church name up, a building name up. Uh, it, it was just, there was just a door there. So she had to be led by the Holy Spirit. And she knocked on that door and, and that's how the Holy Spirit can, can lead people. Uh, God has given me telephone numbers. He's given me names of people, addresses of people, uh, all by the Holy Spirit uh, throughout the, my ministry. Uh, it's a real thing. Uh, we've had prophecies about rise and fall of, of uh, dictators and people and governments and, and, uh, and nations and uh, just awesome and incredible things uh, that uh, have been made prophecies and have all come to pass. Here are um, a few short prophecies I want to read, sort of exhortation type of prophecy. This was given August 22, 1973. A prophecy given by the Spirit through Jeboah. Jeboah was the name that that I used for many, many years that was given to me. And the name means jawbone of the ass. The ass is another name for donkey. And um, Samson used the jawbone of an ass to slay a thousand Philistines in a battle that he had with them. And so it has a significant and spiritual meaning. I have chosen this time, says the Lord, to bring you to the stars of knowledge, to cause you to know every one of them in my plan, and to cause you to know that I have written in the face of the skies the message of the times. I will say unto you that you would do well to discern them. You would do well to know that I have caused men to be scattered upon the face of the earth. They are digging in the sands and in the crust of the earth and in the rocks. They are exploring the skies. They are exploring the ocean, the oceans. They are uh, searching and they are finding many signs of the past. They are finding many things, but I say to you, 
They have not yet found the pearl of great price. I am the pearl of great price, says the Lord. Though they shall find all those signs that would say the things of the past, yet until they, they look unto God and turn to me and discern that I am the living one, and the one that has breathed and has given the breath of life into all entities of time and space, they shall fail in their quest. If you will turn to me, I, the Lord, your God, shall lift you up among the living wheels. You shall see the handbreadth of the Lord your God moving in and out of dimensions of glories of your God. I will cause you to breathe within your flesh and cause you to know your innermost being. The rivers that I shall cause to flow there shall give unto you trees with great fruits. You shall know the abundance of my glory and the power of the living God. And that was given on August uh, 22nd, uh, 1973. This next prophecy was given January 17, 1973. Prophecy given by the Spirit through Jeboah. I have counted the stars of the heaven. I know every one of them. I have counted, saith the Lord, the hairs of your head. I know them by number. I am the God of gods and King of kings. Men have sought to invent gods, but they have never been able to come close to or approach the nature of the Lord your God. I am unique in all the heavens. There is none like unto me. From out of the dust I create, from out of the vacuum of space I cause spontaneous combustions. I give that which magnetizes itself one to another, and that which deflects and causes great eruptions. I am the Lord your God that has counted the atoms. Oh, I say to you, my people, I have, given you, uh, I have given you reservoirs of my love. I have given unto you manna from heaven, meat that has not been touched by the humans who revel in sin, bread that has not been eaten by the scribes and the Pharisees. I have promised you thrones, my children, for you shall be kings and priests unto me, says God. I shall sanctify you, says the Lord, in the throneship that I shall give you. And by and through this throne ship you shall be known in this land. I shall cause, un, cause, I shall add unto you new knowledge, which you have not had before, that shall show the world that my word is true. It shall be a witness to testify of those things that are of my spirit and those things that are not. And then um, there was another prophecy that was very interesting that I'll read. It's uh, fairly short. October 7th, 1973. I prophesy to you that you may know what is ahead. That which is now and that which is past, says the Lord thy God. If you have wondered why your country, the United States of America, is reducing its number of forces in the various services, and why your country is, is uh, turning its back on the idea of extreme numbers of armed forces in various branches. I tell you that there is a reason. There is a reason that even many of the nations do not know. I am the Lord your God, the all-seeing eye, and I declare to you even this night of those reasons. I say to you that you shall see a greater reduction of forces that are yet to come. China and Russia have wondered and not understood. They have not been 
uh, completely able to comprehend why the United States is reducing such great numbers of soldiers. They have speculated, but they are not sure. They wonder if it's financial. But I say to you that this nation has developed new weapons that neither China nor Russia have that are awesome, destructive devices. These devices are so tremendous and so great that not even those in the Senate have been allowed to know the full details of this secrecy. These devices are so secretive that they are only held in conferences at top levels in the government. I say to you that the day will come that this nation shall have a further reduction, for America shall depend on these great and awesome devices. The day shall come when I will prophesy to you and I will describe these devices, and I shall describe them in such an accurate way that when the word is allowed to get out, it reaches certain individuals, it shall even cause your prophets to be checked out by government agencies. The Lord your God shall stir them up. There is no secret hidden from the crystal eye. It shall pierce the veil of iron and steel. It shall pierce the hearts of wicked men uh, though uh, through to the conference rooms where they hold secret negotiations and where they have many things that are being planned. I shall walk into secret corridors where meetings and plottings rule and reign uh, in Armageddon's, for I am God. <clears throat> Pretty awesome. Okay, so people may not understand that. We have um, officials and recently elected officials that for some time have been saying how that um, the armies of the United States and the conditions of the United States are just pathetic. And... Um, and, and that is because those people do not know, even though they have been given uh, clearance to receive uh, updated secret information, they have not, and most likely will not be given, uh, uh, an insight to uh, these particular secret meetings that are, uh, are uh, held and the knowledge is kept uh, prevalent uh, by this... Uh, a group of uh, top uh, officials that are in military services. And uh, this was all agreed on, and uh, uh, it is not known in the Senate, not known in the House, but it is a fact. And, um, you know, uh, for instance, one of these things uh, uh, that, that has happened, uh, you know, it was uh, the breakthrough that... Uh, the United States had uh, with this uh, little, little uh, uh, I call them birdies, you know, that, but they're actually flying robots uh, that, that uh, have gone out and, and detailed and tracked down uh, leaders in Al-Qaeda and, and ISIS and, and have, uh, you know, destroyed them with just one shot uh, from what I call these birdies. And you should well know what they are. And we'll uh, maybe talk about that if we have the time. But I doubt it. Um, but but uh, people have no idea of the new kind of advance and the new kind of warfare that is really plotted for the future. And it doesn't have to do with tanks and large amounts of, of armies 
uh, on the ground. Uh, it is a totally new kind of, of warfare, and um, it is uh, you know being really secretly held because if it got out to the enemy, it would be a very bad thing. And uh, and I'm not going to say too much more about that. I was going to share some of my thoughts on it uh, at the last convention, and uh, my intention was that, but I the Holy Spirit stopped me, and so we didn't go on with that part of it. But um, <clears throat> what I want to now go into is uh, in the seventh, what is the Holy Ghost, uh, part seven, we, uh, we talked about Paul going to um, paradise. And also in uh, what is the Holy Ghost, part eight, we talked about Paul in, in paradise. And today, in Holy Ghost uh, 9, uh, I want to give you the scriptures. Uh, last week, um, I said that uh, I might, in this particular uh, Holy Ghost 9, give you the scriptures to show you the proof of Paul and the story that I told that I'm going to read right now. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm just getting over uh, a bug, sort of a cold and what have you. And I hope you'll bear with me if I do have to cough a little bit. I doubt that I'll have to cough very much, but you never know. <coughs> Excuse me. All right. Here we go. Okay. Uh, seven. This was, this was written in seven. Now, how did Paul come to this? And how, all the different knowledges that he began to have, all of the insights, the revelation, things like, you know, about um, uh, the Melchizedek's, things about, uh, for instance, like he revealed in the book of Hebrews, and, and uh, about history that, you know, you don't even find in other parts of the Bible. How did he know about um, Abraham? that he was carrying in his bosom, uh, you know, um, and his loins, uh, a, a person that was not even born yet, a person who would uh, head up and, and, and sire almost to an extent, the, the Levites. And uh, so how, how, did, how did he he know this? Well, we are showing that this revelation that he received after his experience on the road to Damascus when Christ Jesus appeared to him and said, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you doing this? Now, Jesus was not ignorant of the whole story. He also knew that Paul was a good man, a decent man, and that in his um, ardent determination to seize upon these Christians that were, uh, he felt, challenging the, the Pharisee uh, sect of the Jewish church. Uh, God, in Jesus Christ, knew that he was just performing what he believed was what God wanted him to do, what the Bible was teaching him to do, but that he just didn't know the truth. And so he was blinded after that meeting because the light from the Christ appearance was of such a nature 
that it overpowered his eyes and he just became blind and had to be led by by hand to make it the rest of the way into Damascus. And there's a whole scene that happened there, quite unusual, where he eventually got his healing. But the blindness thing is important because that was actually the story uh, that was put into symbolism uh, and and was really a, a perfect uh, case of the blindness that he had in his heart and the blindness that he had in his mind and the blindness that he had in his knowledge. And so some people have said, you know, um, uh, Paul, he, um, he, he got this, uh, this problem of, um, of being um, of the nature that, that people would speak about him, of his nature as being maybe a person who had this thorn in the flesh that was um, a blind, you know, a, a problem with his sight, problem with his seeing, that, uh, you know, that was probably what it was about. Well, th that is actually sort of a, a sad declaration to make without any Bible proof of that, because when the Bible says that that by a special design of prophecy, Paul was healed, and it was a very unusual, powerful thing that happened, then I don't think that he partially healed him, and so he he had bad bad vision. That certainly would not go around uh, and along with all of the writing, uh, like a big, big part of the New Testament was you know written by Paul, and 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 for all of what he had to do that demanded his eyes, that didn't make sense. The only thing that made sense about the blindness was the blindness in his mind, and that he was physically given a blindness, uh, and that was all part of the sign and the symbolism of it. <coughs> so, let's go on. So how did Paul come to know this? Well, the Bible says Paul was first receiving these things and making decisions after the experience on the road to Damascus when Jesus appeared to him and said, why are you persecuting me? And he had a conversion. Afterwards, when he had received his healing and, and these special uh, things began to happen with him, he decided not to go to Jerusalem to try to learn from the other disciples. Instead, he went out into a desert place and he sought God for some long period of time, received direct Holy Ghost things and things from Christ. Most likely during this time, he was caught up to, um, to paradise and heard words that were not lawful to be uttered. Uh, he heard unutterable things, incredible things. It was this kind of an experience of a fulfillment of a missing link that endowed him with the ability to think differently, to look at things differently, to believe differently, to conceive differently, to act differently, and be fulfilled differently. And that was how Paul was able to see that there was something very special of this Levi thing and his pantheon in Abraham. So Paul just reached to star height and uh, and begin to know these things in a very spiritual way, and especially after the things revealed to him in his um, experience that he had, uh, you know, with with uh, the paradise experience. So there is uh, something beautiful about that, something applicable about that for you here today. Okay. Here we go. So, 
he spent three years in 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 the in the uh, desert and two years in Damascus. So five years were connected to the desert hiding place, and um, uh, he was told a lot of different things. But one of the things that happened was that there were some things that he's told would be unlawful to utter. Obviously, he could have uttered them. He could have said them. He could have spoken them because he knew them. But he was told, just like the disciples were on the Mount of Transfiguration, what you have seen happen here today with Moses and Elijah and with other things that have happened, you are not to tell anyone until after my resurrection, my death and resurrection. So there was a timetable that was given to, to, to Paul, just like a timetable that was given to um, Peter, John, and James on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus Christ. So Paul we, we're showing here in this um, part eight of what is the Holy Ghost that to a large extent Paul was in the desert pleading with, with God for his forgiveness about the stoning of Stephen. Because the Bible says that when Stephen was stoned, he was full of the Holy Ghost. And as he looked up into the heavens, the heavens opened to him. And he was having a spirit-to-spirit -spirit experience. And in that spirit-to-spirit -spirit experience, he could not even feel the stones that were crashing on his body and that were leading to his mortality. Because as his body was demising, his spirit was being taken up to that place which in the, the Bible is called, you know, a heaven. And, uh, and it tells about how that uh, he was caught up to the third heaven. And so this third heaven is very, very important to get a hold of that name and understand that this is in the same story revealed that's in the story revealed about paradise. And we're going we're gonna to get into this and really explain some stuff. And some of you will be shocked. You'll be shocked today when I open your eyes to what the Bible really says, to the invisible Bible what it really says, and how it verifies these things that I taught last week. And how that Paul, he was seeking to find a way to meet with Stephen. He knew Stephen's body was dead. He knew his spirit was alive, and he wouldn't be surprised if his spirit had already taken another body. But he wanted to go to this third heaven or wherever it was and he wanted to be able to meet Stephen and to tell Stephen in person how sorry that he was and that was his desire. So is there scripture for that? Well, hang and hold. Hang and hold. We've got a lot of scripture to show, you, show with you. Well, one of the things that was unlawful for him to speak about was about the swoos. S-W-O-O-S, swoos. Now, 
if I was to try to help you understand what the Sioux was, another word I would give you for to you that would be an associated word, uh, and it would have a relativity to it, would be bosom, like the Father's bosom, spoken of in the book of John, and Abraham's bosom, spoken of in the book of, of, of um, Matthew. The, uh, the, the, the swoo is, in a kind of way, like a, like a bosom. Now, that bosom represents a place where God's people are taken into under the headship of Abraham and the, and the other one under the headship of the father's house. So next week on number 10, part 10 of What is the Holy Ghost, I'm going to be sharing with you under the subtitle, The Half has not yet been known or come to be known. And in that aspect of the half is not yet known, I will be getting into a wonderful revelation by the Holy Spirit on this thing about the swoos. That's next week. Let's get back here with this. So he could not tell about the swoos. And I'll explain that to you when we get a little further up here. And uh, and uh, he had it was unlawful for him to mention it. Now, I want to show then that he did meet Stephen, and that he did have a merging with him. And I, I want to, you know, share those things with you, uh, although it was not revealed to Paul. When, he, when the, the appearance of Stephen's appeared to him, whether he was in a body or not in a body, uh, because the sort of holographic or hologramic um, type of appearance, which we call a radiant effect, looked so real, it had the same kind of look that the gardener had in the, in, in, in the time when uh, Jesus stepped out of the tomb, the stones were rolled away, and Mary Magdalene came looking for Jesus, and she saw this, this gardener, and, and she didn't think he was Jesus at first, but later she began to think that he was. And then there was another appearance that she... She saw Jesus, but he said, you can't touch me because I've not yet ascended to the Father. <coughs> Pardon me. <coughs> so there's a meaning of that. There's a meaning of that, very, very important, indelibly important. Now, we understand that as phototransition and phototranslation, and that there's a period in that phototransition in which people will look at you and they'll see your body and see you moving your arms, walking, whatever, speaking from the mouth. You look exactly as though you're there, but you're in what's called a radiant. And that radiant means that, that you have not materialized yet. You're not fully materialized. So if someone would take and put their, their hand 
to your body, their hand would just go right through the the atomization of your body that was not that was in process but not complete. And so those are some of the things I spoke of in part eight, and uh, and we we uh, we went into you know different details about that. Uh, I can only go um, so far with reading this other stuff and it be able to you know really get this whole message that I want to share with you today because uh, this is quite quite uh, quite a thing. So when we come back to the, um, the, the to the Apostle Paul and uh, and uh, to uh, know a few things about him uh, he was born of Jewish uh, parents in Tarshish which today is called uh, modern uh, eastern Turkey and um, he studied uh, the Torah in Jerusalem and became a Pharisee. And uh, then, you should know the story, he got converted on the road to Damascus. So the timeline is in question, and we're going to be talking about that. Um, let me um, now give you a, a, a bunch of scriptures that we're going to use to substantialize uh, this whole teaching and I I'm going to be reading the scriptures uh, to, uh, some of them and be comments in between looking back over his shoulder in time Paul remembered his part in the stoning of Stephen a man filled with the Holy Ghost so Paul wrote the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work in parentheses I have errantly made and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. Second Timothy 4.18 He's telling this story. You can find it scattered through the scriptures. Paul also understood being able to be cognizant in two different dimensions by being one place in the body and another place in the spirit. Scripture. For though I be absent in the flesh, I am present with you in my spirit. Colossians. 2.5 MIV And knowing the power of reconciliation for past major mistakes such as he did he did to Stephen, Paul could encourage others. And you who were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by evil works, yet now has the Lord reconciled. Colossians 1 21 MIC. It was constantly in Paul's mind how that at one time he persecuted the church for things they were blameless. And he writes about it in Philippians 3 6 MIV. Paul speaks of the past experience of having been lifted up to sit in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. This is no doubt the paradise experience. And he encourages other Christians of his possibility in Ephesians 2, 6, MIV. Stephen was a deacon for the early church in Jerusalem. He was taken outside the city and, and, and stoned. And he was looking upward and seeing Jesus with the Father at the Father's house on a livable firmament planet called heaven. So we want you to get that understanding that in the 
book of Genesis 1.8, uh, that, that um, uh, there's going to be a very, very important connection. And uh, that means that um, this connection is along the line that he's already got this understanding, he speaks of it, because he's already been to a heavenly place. You know, having been lifted up to sit in heavenly places, and this is obviously the paradise experience. And then he's encouraging other possibilities, and you find this in Ephesians 2 6. Now, Stephen was a deacon, a deacon for the early church in Jerusalem, and he was outside the city, <coughs> and uh, he was looking upward and seeing Jesus with the Father. So he, as I already said, was already attuned, and a spirit transition was already happening. Uh, with his connection uh, to to the third heaven, and uh, you can read these uh, uh, the, the firmament thing how that that means heaven, but it means a special kind of heaven. It means a heaven like of a planet that has oxygen, that has environment where people can live. So that's a particular kind of heaven. That's why there are heavens, and there's the heaven of heaven. They all have different. Uh, relationships of, of being relative in their meaning. And so we found that in Genesis 1.8. So he returns to Jerusalem. Paul returns to Jerusalem 14 years or so later after his visit with Peter. And uh, we find that in Galatians 2.1. Paul testifies that he knew uh, Genesis 4.1, an intimate term when referring to a friend or a ministry relation can mean a joining of a oneness of mind or a merging of spirits. So all of these things he's talked about in his scriptures, a joining of, of the people with Jesus Christ, a joining of the, with the people that join Jesus Christ being joined to them. So all this joining is a kind of merging uh, it, it, it can happen on a temporary basis. It can happen on a longevity basis. And so these are scriptures like Galatians 2.1 and, and uh, you know, uh, the other scriptures I'll be giving you that verify that. Um, read Second Corinthians 12.2. Uh, he's not able to say if Stephen is in a body or a radiant spirit. I've explained that uh, because he he just he he just doesn't know. He's not supposed to touch him at, at yet, and it's sort of like the Jesus Christ thing. Stephen is first. Uh, Stephen is uh, first paradise mentioned earth man. Uh, Corinthians twelve two again. So I came to know a man now. Uh, I'm going to, um, there's quite a bit more here to read, uh, but uh, I, I, I'm going to, I want to turn just to the scripture, because I, I sort of feel like I, I need to finish this paradise thing before going on to our other, other uh, teaching. Here's how it reads, folks. Second Corinthians, Genesis 12, 1. There's four verses I want to read. It is not expedient for me Doubtless to glory, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. He speaks about that another time, which he says, you know, some things are legal, but they're not expedient. Some things may be expedient, but not legal. Now, hang on here and listen carefully. Verse 2, I knew a man. 
Now, the minute you use the word new, if you go back to the, like somewhere on the, what is the fourth chapter, something like that of, of Genesis, where Adam knew Eve, there's an intimacy. Now, in that particular case, it was a sexual intimacy with Adam and Eve. But in this case, there's other kinds of intimacy, of just knowing people as a deep friend, or knowing people in a way where they are sharing spirits, like Moses did with the 70 uh, elders, and like Elijah did with Elisha, where they, where they shared spirits. So he's saying then, I shared spirits with a man in Christ. And this happened over 14 years ago. Now there's the intimacy of the sharing, the merging. Okay, Whether in the body or, or, or out of the body, I cannot tell. Uh, there was two things there. He really didn't know 100% for sure. And the second part was he couldn't tell it because he was forbidden uh, uh, by the spiritual law to reveal it. Such a one was, now I want you to get this, and I want you to get it good. Such a one, what such a one? This person that he's talking about goes to this 14 years. Well, what does the 14 years mean? Well, sometimes 14 years doesn't mean 14 years. Because, you know, in the Hebrew, the word years comes from the word yom, and that can bring everything, uh, even the weather, into it. Uh, uh, to the to the meaning, so fourteen reps represents a double seven, and in a con the context like this is in, it it has a duality to it. You got seven plus seven, that's two sevens, and when you have two of them together, then it is a very spiritual meaning. So this fourteen years is a spiritual thing, a very spiritual thing. And it has to do with the double entity aspect. And, and that is what it's meaning. And, and uh, then it even goes beyond, above that, because the Holy Spirit is involved, the Lord Christ is involved, the Father's involved. And so it's even above that double aspect. Now let's listen. Listen to this carefully. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knows such a man caught up to third heaven. Now this person is talking about is Stephen, who was caught up, he saw the heavens open, he was caught up to the third heaven. Now that means there are other heavens. You know, like there's, there's another heaven that Jesus talked about to the man on the cross. And he said, this day will you be with me in paradise. And we don't have time to do the teaching, but that turned out to be an upper Hades. Upper Hades, which is a, a, an aspect of hell. And Jesus went down into that hell, and that's when he spoke to the spirits that were in prison. And that man that was on the cross ended up being down there at that same time to hear that sermon and have a chance for repentance. So this was the third heaven, though. And this ends up being the Father's house. That's what the third heaven is. It's the Father's house. So... so uh, there could be different applications, the 30, 60, 100-fold applications to those one, two, and three, third heaven. Because you've got the, this sort of a first heaven, as far as humans are concerned, in their overcoming, that's mentioned in the first chapter, eighth verse 
of Genesis, the firmament was called heaven, and that's where the humans end up being. And then you've got the second heaven, which is the Hades thing, uh, upper Hades, and you've got the third heaven, which is the Father's house, which is exalted way above all of that. So then you have specifically, specifically, this first man who is Stephen going to the third heaven. Now we end up getting this incredible, awesome conjunction. And, and, okay, okay. So on the Stephen thing, such a one caught up to third heaven. One, such a one caught up to third heaven. Then he goes into the conjunction, into the duality. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise. Whoa, hey, ha. One goes to the third heaven. One goes to paradise. Now, we understand there's a compatibility. But there is a specific naming of differentiation and the specific naming of differentiation of those names is because the states were different. Being caught up in the third heaven, Stephen was in the swoo. And he was totally in the spirit. Paul was caught up into paradise. But he carried a lot of the essence of his body with him so that his body could transfigure. Now, in that transfigured state, it's a little bit different than a total radiant state. And so, I don't have the time to explain that to you today, but just hang and hold with me. And I knew such a man, whether in the body. So, this is a, another person. Who is this? Well, when we keep reading, it's very obvious, obvious that it was Paul. So, we got Stephen being caught up, number one, into the third heaven. Paul being caught up, the and, into what's, what you called the paradise because of these two different states of condition that were prevalent and happening at the Father's house planet, which was where both of these conditions, the third heaven, or the, our states, the third heaven and the paradise, were both, were both there and were both prevalent. And he, he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful to the other. Well, who, who was not lawful to utter them? Paul. He couldn't speak them. He couldn't speak them. Okay, now let's go on. Of such a one I will glory, yet of myself I will not glory in my infirmities. Now, he gives the scriptures to show, and, and I won't read it today, I don't have time, but to show that he... He glories in the things of the Spirit, but he doesn't glory uh, in the things of the flesh. Uh, and I think, I think that is in, um, uh, I think you can find that in Second Corinthians 12, 6, 7, and verse 7 especially, but uh, I'm not sure without taking the time to really look that up. Um, anyway, now let's go on to this. This is really great. Verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, people think 
that what Paul had was a sickness. They think that the infirmity was a sickness. But the Bible tells what it was. And it doesn't mention sickness. But they think that that's automatically what infirmity is. But infirmity can be something different than just a sickness. And, and so we're going to show you here what this uh, thorn in, in his flesh was. You know, he says, verse 9, My grace is sufficient for thee. I give, thee, I give my strength is made perfect in your weakness. This is about the Lord speaking to him about this thorn in the flesh. You know, and, and he says, I would rather, more, more gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Now put a colon there. In reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. All of those applications directly relate and directly refer to Jesus on the road to Damascus saying, Paul, or his name was Saul at the time, why persecutest thou me? That persecution that he did that took the life of Stephen became his thorn in the flesh. And he asked, Jesus, he asked the Lord two times Two times to remove it from him, and the Lord would not. But the third time, he did it differently. Paul was very shrewd. And that's when he began to request to be able to go and to meet Stephen so that he could have that thorn in the flesh, that thing that was just gnawing at him, just destructively. It, it, just, it was just such a horrible thing, especially... In the ministry time, at some point, he tells how that one time he was, he was stoned and left for dead. So he understood how brutal and cruel and ugly and, and how uh, much of a torture. One stone at a time till you were dead, you know, and, and he wanted to re reduce that thing that had happened. So it was... Two persons that the Bible is talking about here. And so my teaching about him going to paradise and going to the third heaven is right here in the scripture. And if I had the time to break down the roots, it would be even more. Janet Lee at the organ.
Once again, thank you, Janet Lee, so very, very much for your awesome, awesome, awesome playing. And hello again out there, everybody. And uh, I know this is uh, going a little bit over on time, but uh, I want to finish this because of all that we have ahead. Okay, so we, we had a broadcast announcement that we put out. We talked about the impact of this message being like a supernova effect. We talked about not looking at things on space, face value, but get into spirit value. And, uh, and that is by discerning uh, of how things will be according to the Holy Ghost. And to be able to get into the, the power of that Holy Ghost revelation uh, uh, to understand what the omnipresent, uh, invisible God I am uh, through his various counterparts the Father, the Son, uh, Holy Ghost are to reveal. And we, we talked about how that a lot of people, uh, their visions ha are withholden. Uh, that's uh, with and holden, H-O-L-D-E-N, sort of an unusual old uh, ancient way of saying it, uh, but it was used in the Bible that way. And uh, how that God is uh, preparing us to be able to, to soar with these, uh, these new revelations. Okay, now, part nine, the title, What is the Holy Ghost? And the subtitle, Savio, the Cosmocrater, Robot, Computer Mind of Laminate World Ruler Man versus the Holy Ghost. Savio, the talking image computer foretold. Uh, we have... In uh, Genesis 3.1, the, um, the serpent man who tempts Eve uh, and talks her into eating of the forbidden fruit of the tree. And um, when we looked that up in uh, Strong's uh, Concordance uh, Dictionary of the Hebrew, uh, we find in Hebrew uh, 6191, um, some very uh, interesting things there about um, how that the word uh, substal uh, was another way of saying cunning. And when you say cunning, uh, that includes things like to know and savvy and the terms that we're using here for the savio. Uh, the old thing, that's like the greatest number in the universe connected to this, and uh, we will uh, may, maybe or maybe not have time to explain more on that part of it. And of course, Cosmocractor, uh, crack, um, that's C-O-S-M-O um, hyphen K-R-A-T-O-R-R, Cosmocrater. And, you, and when you look um, in the Strong's uh, Dictionary Concordance, G2888, G2888, Ephesians 620, or pardon me, 612, Ephesians 612, under the word principality, then it, there are two listed there, but the one that it emphasizes uh, for that particular reference is the Cosmocrater, which is a world ruler of evil. 
So we have in these scriptures here of Genesis 3.1, uh, you know, some very important things. Um, and and we, will, we will come to see how that uh, the, uh, the long-termness of this uh, is very fulfilled uh, in the very scriptures uh, like uh, in the book of uh, Genesis. Uh, it's so interesting and so powerful how that God by the Holy Spirit, by the spirit of prophecy, sees things so very, very far ahead. For, because when uh, this um, uh, correction was made by the Lord uh, due to the woman uh, being uh, beguiled by the serpent, uh, then in the book of Genesis, uh, it says in the 15th verse, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So we see that this effect, this thing that happened with the serpent, the serpent that beguiled Eve, that there was a seed thing there. And there was a connection that wasn't just that one time in the, in, in the garden uh, in which he convinced, he convinced, now, now we show that this man, be it the serpent man, is the Gihon man. When you really look up the deep meaning of the word Gihon, uh, you get the word Billy. And that was one of the descriptions of the uh, punishment of the Gihon to go on their belly uh, the the rest of their life, uh, you know, and and of course people think of that as a snake, but it, the meaning was much more broad and different and and deeper than that. Uh, but but here we have an entity that was a winner for Lucifer, and this entity then was was to have continuum, and and. I read you the prophecy because, because the offspring of, the, of, of Eve would continuously be buffeted, would continuously be tested by this same uh, seed person, this same event, uh, this same person being renewed and renewed and renewed, uh, and not just necessarily offspring, uh, because we find in the book of, um, of Jude uh, you know, a very, very interesting statement, which uh, I've got this all down. I'm probably going to end up reading it to you a couple, another time, but, but that's okay. But when you, when you, you get into uh, the book of Revelations, something, uh, you know, uh, or pardon me, not Revelations, but um, Jude, something very, very interesting uh, is, is there that uh, has very, very significant meaning. And uh, as you uh, look at this in Jude 4, verse 4, For there were are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. So we see that there is a continuum of the creeping in of some kind of, of human factor type that is a continuum from a, from a great ancient time and that keeps creeping in and renewing itself, which is not anything different than 
told in, I think it's the 13th chapter, uh, somewhere in there, of Matthew, of the tares that were, that were, that were uh, sown into the fields of, of wheat, which represents the people. And they were sown and, and they were put in there by the devils. So now we have something that has a longevity to it that has to be recognized with this uh, Gihon, this man of the, of the going on the belly, and that is going to go forward. And we, we see that um, <coughs> it's connected to the Scripture. Jesus talks about it. The Holy Spirit talks about it. The apostles talk about it. It's not some happenstance thing of no, no, no significance. It's a major thing. And so when in the uh, book of Ephesians, uh, you know, um, 6.12, it tells about this principality, uh, which is the cosmocrator, that the, then when in the manifest teachings it talks about the cosmocrator being a, a person who is laminated from several different bodies. He's not just like the regular, you know, one man, one woman, they marry and you have an offspring. Well, it's interesting that already in this day in which we live, there are now actual practice in certain cases of which they are taking, uh, and this is literal, and it's happened and it's been successful, taking the seed, for instance, of a couple different men, sometimes even three men, and they're putting it in to, to the ovum, into the egg, and and uh, and producing a child that has genetic influence uh, DNA from all either two or three of those. Now the the uh, those inputs. So this particular entity is going to have all these inputs. One of the inputs that it's going to have is from this this serpent man, the Gihon serpent man, that was successful in defeating the resistance of Eve, who was married to, to Adam and who had all the special insights that was happening in the Garden of Eden that was awesome. And there was angel ministry there and all kinds of things, but he was so overpowering, so capable, that he won the award from Satan to be continue that job throughout all of Earth's history in this temptation of the offspring of Eve and Adam. Okay, so now that sort of gives you the savio because that comes from the word subsco, which can mean uh, cunning. I gave you the uh, Strong's Dictionary for that, which can also mean uh, knowledge or to savvy or to know. And so we got the savio, the cosmocrater, Robot computer. Now we'll show you where the robot computer comes in. Mind of a laminate world ruler, man versus the Holy Ghost. And the beast shall come who is ancient of a was time and shall ascend from the bottomless pit and advance black hole world. His wisdom and greatness will cause multitudes of the unprepared earth to wonder. Revelations 17.8. Let's just look at 
Revelation 17:8 just real fast, because this particular one is so incredibly important. We don't want you to miss out on understanding it. 17:8. The beast that thou sawest was and is not shall ascend out of the bottomless pit. Now that's another name, a perfect name for a black hole. And go into perdition, and they that dwell in the earth shall wonder. So we see that what we're writing here and speaking here and ministering here is 100% Bible. And he comes out of the sea, which is the people. He's He has a human form. And this human form can be in a transfiguration. Jesus took different forms. Not all of the forms he took were necessarily were necessarily in a human body. Why even I'm sure there were times that he took the form of a the form of a dove. I think there was times he took the form same form as the Holy Ghost of, of tongues. And um, he spoke some unusual kinds of words that people say they never heard any, anyone ever speak like that before. So that's one part. There's another uh, uh, scripture in Revelations that goes along with this really quite well. And uh, it's, it's something that I've read to you before many times. Chapter 9, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. Here we go. <coughs> and he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, and we, we showed this smoke in this furnace as being a manufacturing center in the, in the black hole. And this would be not in the part of the black hole where the intense gravity was, but in a white hole channel that had a wall between the gravity and the, and the compression of the interior black hole. And that was like an almost anti-black hole, but was able to have a neutrality and be able to be there. And uh, I'll be talking a lot about that in the uh, new book that we will be getting out on the black hole um, uh, book that, that we'll be publishing before too awful long. So here we have this angel falls from heaven and, it go, and he opens the black hole and, and, uh, and, and then there's all these locusts begin to be created and they're, they're powerful entities, what it really amounts to. So let's just, let's just go on here now, and let's see what else we can find. When the first beast had ridden from, from the people to see, he said to them, Make for me an image to the beast, and I shall give the image computer life, and it shall converse in many languages. Now, that's Bible, ladies and gentlemen. That's Bible. So let's just take... A moment here in and, and, and chapter uh, 13, and let's just look at that. 
stood upon the sand of the sea and I saw a beast come out of the sea. And and uh, in um, verse 4, they worshipped the, the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast saying, who's, who's, who is like unto the beast? Who's able to make war with him? And then in chapter 13, verse 15, get a hang on this, and he had power to give life unto the image of the beast. Now, if the image of the beast existed and then life was given to it, then it means that at first that this image of the beast was an aspect, not necessarily an entity, unless you want to think of it as an entry of, some, of a thing, but it was something that did not have life, did not communicate like a, a living entity. But this power of the dragon has, has the ability to energize the image of the beast and give life into it. Life meaning cognizance, having a body, and that's right here. And given an ability to speak, and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast, they should be killed, and causes both the small, the great, the rich, the poor, the free, the bond, to receive a mark in their right foreheads or their uh, right hand, in, the, in their forehead or their right hand, and no man can buy or sell or, or save unless he has the mark. And this beast has a number. 666. So there is a living entity here that was given life to it. <clears throat> so in this name, title, subtitle, we have the whole concept of this robot computer sort of android type that has a human side to it but it's not a is not I get this it's not a it does not have a spirit soul he could have a he could have a kind of spirit well he would have a spirit body because what Lucifer Satan has done is he's brought into this being by the lamination a living creature man that was in the Garden of Eden and tempted Eve and caused her to be defeated. The Bible says in the New Testament that it was Eve that was deceived and not Adam. So now that is the scripture to show that what we're talking about here has literal identification, literal confirmation, and cannot be denied as far out as this tile is, is, is in some ways is similar to the thing of the, of the scripture in, in Corinthians about the duality of Stephen Stephen and of, of, of Saul who became Paul. And when you looked at that, you couldn't, you couldn't see but what it was, and especially because of the translations that had been made in, behind pulpits, 
Everybody just thought I was just talking about, just talking about, you know, uh, either just Paul or talking about some great saint. And they never got the story. They never understood the story because they weren't able to read in between the lines and read into the deep of the word. And so, let's go on. When the first beast has risen from the people to see, he said to them, make me an image to the beast and I shall give this image computer life, and this is MIV, and it shall converse in many languages, including hyper and exotic math, for with its skills, multitudes will be drawn to its cunning and wisdom. And Savio, Cosmocrater, the image computer android man, created a code to mark all who were followers of Satan. And it was so that whosoever did not have this code was killed. Revelations 13.1 and Revelations 13.15 through 18. <coughs> In a world of imaginative math and illusionary quantum theories, it is not really difficult to suppose most anything. In fact, the scripture foretells that once humans have reached certain levels of oneness of mind, they reach a mind force of imaginative creations unlimited in their abilities. It says once they reach this point, they can do anything. Check it out. Genesis 11, verse 6. Lucifer, who made the world as a wilderness, shall be forced to live in the sides of a bottomless pit. Isaiah 14, 15 through 17, and Revelations 9, 1 through 3. But his evil power shall endure. War cannot end the end of the world and the white throne judgment. War cannot, let me reread that. War cannot end. Wars cannot end until the end of the world and the white throne judgment. There's, you're always going to have wars. Jesus said that. You're always going to have poor people. You're always going to have famines. You're always going to have fear of the heart. You're always going to have earthquakes, wars, rumors of wars. You're always going to have them as long as you live on this planet. Sure, there will be some areas that, that won't have wars, but somewhere there will be the discontent. Some people say, well, what about the millennium? Well, that's a very deep subject. Someday we'll talk on that again. But the Bible says that even during the, this millennium, there will be nations who will not come up to honor the, the feast of the Lord that there that will be and the recognition of the Lord that there will be. That they will not come to it because they're rebellious. So there will be re people on the earth that are rebellious even during the millennium. And, and the Christians have not been taught that. They, they've not been shown the whole Bible. So the idea of the image is an important one to keep in mind that Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. This kind of representation is very much of a type of translation. Colossians 1, 13 through 15. So then in the example of the savvy O who came from a was world at, at, and time, we have Jesus Christ who was the image of the invisible God that represents there is a translation from the time of a long ago creation to the plan of the Father that the fullness of the image of the invisible God should dwell in him. Colossians 1, 16 through 19. This is no doubt a part 
of the plan of reconciliation, Colossians 1.20 KJV. Consequently, the use of the term image in the Bible, an important uh, Bible, because it slices or it slices out the miscellaneous and the concentrations that focus on the main image. For Moses re received, do not make any images of God other than the God of gods, who is the invisible God, and understand the translations of Jesus Christ for this work, work explains how that an invisible entity can be made an image by translation. For as the scripture says, in Jesus Christ dwells the fullness of the Godhead. And since we, the destinata, dwell in Christ and he in us, we are also translated into that same image by grace. And that grace will stand until the end of the world as long as we continue in the grace, Ephesians 5.30 KJV. And further, now get on hold of this one, for we are members of his body, of his flesh and his blood. We're members of his, of his bones. We're members of his flesh. We're members of his body, of his flesh and blood. Can you imagine that? That's even a greater sense than the 70 elders that became a member of the body of Moses by sharing his spirit. And Elijah with Elisha with the double image sharing the spirit and some of the body attributes of Elijah. As we begin to really understand these things, it's not just simple Simon, but it's beautiful and it's deep and it's relevant. So, there is a movement among highly educated persons of science to declassify the Bible. Little do these persons know their spin is a work of sheer ignorance. But in the long of time as the mysteries of the universe become more and more known, the amazing discovery will be that without a God or mind or a source beyond nature, there is no answer. No answer to resolve many of the questions. Keep in mind, it is one thing to figure out how God has done some of these works, but that does not mean that it is the reveal of the power of the creation of those works. Which side does the Holy Ghost take when a Holy Ghost warrior on one side of war is facing against a Holy Ghost warrior on the other side of war. This is not a holy war. It has to do with being weighed in the balance and found wanting or fulfilled. The nation of those soldiers are collective entity, entities representing cities and people and nations. The toll of war is evil. The toll of war and evil is due to living on a planet Earth in the state of a uh, a person is in, and other whys of living there. The war of the Spirit is not a war of flesh and blood, Ephesians 6.12. The Bible says that the Word of God is a two-edged sword, Ephesians 6.17 and Hebrews 4.12. God's people need to understand that the Holy, Holy Spirit ghost can be the deliverer to escape from the, 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 the crutches and the forces of the dark of the darkness that war is. But all believer individuals need to be aware that a wholeness of spirit and a blamelessness is needed to have the spirit power in the first place. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 To really be ready, deal not only with your flesh correction, 
but seek to justify in the Spirit also. 1 Timothy 3.16. So a person that goes out to war, he's into those options of a time and a chance. If he goes out to war and he prays, oh God, deliver me from the enemy, well, that deliverance may not be the way he wants it. He steps on a bomb and loses both his legs. They take him to the hospital. He's through with the war. He's delivered from the war. He doesn't die. He has to get artificial limbs. But he's delivered from the war. Maybe that would happen to both of the soldiers on opposite teams. We're not saying that's 100% the way it is, but we don't understand the strange ways that God deals and his ways of mercy. One day a seer prophet will speak to the destinata and tell them where they are as to becoming elect angels. <coughs> Excuse me. 1 Timothy 5.21 speaks about elect angels. Strive lawfully according to the Holy Spirit for the mysteries, or for the masteries, that you should be crowned. Common demons will think twice before coming against such a crowned saint of God. You reach a point where you're crowned, Satan will think twice about wanting to come and challenge you. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Keep the thought before your mind that we are partakers with Christ. <clears throat> Star Wars of the Holy Ghost versus Savvy, Savio and his legions. The Gihon serpent man with his savvy of evil cunning defeated Eve and caused her to transgress. <coughs> so I might have to cut this shorter than I'm thinking. <coughs> Because of the fact I'm doing, got this itch in my throat. <coughs> it's actually my my bug being kicked out of the body. But uh, <coughs> here we go. Try a little longer. <coughs> the seer prophet is going to be able to tell people where they're at in their election of being being an elect angel. So Star Wars and the Holy Ghost versus Savio and his legion. Well, I think, <coughs> I think I'm going to have to finish this part next week. It's not that we don't have a lot of teaching done here, but um, I don't want to just be coughing in your ear all the way through it. It looks like that's where I'm at. I've had, <coughs> I've been working almost day and night, and I'm getting, I'm way, way better. The bug is conquered, but it's the residue of it's working its way out. So we'll just call it quits for now and finish this next week with the new teaching. We'll be in 10, but we'll do a review of this last part that I didn't finish. Some beautiful, wonderful stuff. Sorry that I don't get into the prophecy, the prophecy of Jeboah that is... I think several pages long telling them the future things. But I want to be able to share that with you and tell you that when my voice is not going to be interrupted constantly. J. 
Janet Lee of the Oregon.